supportive families. This is Emily Penrod, and my guest today is Ramona Moore Big Eagle. She is a, an award-winning and internationally renowned motivational speaker, storyteller, cultural educator, consultant, and workshop facilitator. And just last April, you were also a TED Talk speaker. Tell us about that. Wow, that was really exciting. Um, it was one of the funny things was it required so many technology things, you know, apps and websites. So I, I had a little learning curve with that. And it wasn't even anything I sought after. I didn't apply for that. I was just selected. In fact, when I got the email asking me to do the TED Talk, I thought it was a joke because back in October of the year before when I was at a TED Talk here in Charlotte, I had said to a co-professor um, at the university, we were both there, and I said, next year I'll be on the TED stage and I'll be making a TED Talk. And so <laughs> when I got the email, I thought it was a joke from him. He had put someone up <laughs> to sending me that email. <laughs> so I really ignored it. I didn't even reply to it. And then she called me, the curator from TED um, Talk called me, and um, I said, this is really real? <laughs> so it was a wonderful experience. I loved it. And uh, I don't think it was out of the blue. You had already done some public speaking and already were well-established as a storyteller. This is true. In fact, that's how she found me. Um, because that might, you know, everyone said, how did you do that? Well, I said, you know, that was my first question, too. How did you select me to do this? She said, well, I was online, and I saw... Um, your picture, and I saw many of your speeches, and it, that was one of the things she had said in the email, which again made me think that it wasn't real, because I don't really do speeches. I talk, you know, I'm a motivational speaker and storyteller, so it's not really speeches, they're stories. So when she said speeches online, I saw your speeches online, I love them, and you would definitely be an asset for TED Talk. That's what made me think it wasn't really real because she said speeches and I do storytelling. But yes, I've been doing storytelling um, all my life. I've been doing it professionally for over 30 years. And how did you get started? Well, really, I got started um, just as a way of life. My mother, my father, my um, chief, my clan mothers, everyone from my reservation, everyone in my family always told stories. It was just a way of life. It wasn't anything quote unquote special. It's just what everyone did. My dad was a prolific storyteller as well as my mom. In fact, my dad, uh, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a business owner. My daddy would close his business every day at six o'clock come home to a nice home-cooked meal by my mother. And that was our favorite time of day, um, not just because my mom had home-cooked meals, which were very good, but because my dad was a storyteller. And he would tell us a story every day at dinner. It was me and my brother, my mom and dad. And he would always tell us a story. And the stories were always just the best stories in the world. At least we thought so when we were growing up. So I, I did never set out to be a storyteller. I just listened to his stories. And the stories that I tell in my programs are stories that I grew up hearing from my mom, my dad especially, 
from my chief clan mothers and, you know, just elders in our, from our reservation or, you know, elders from all over the world in fact. Well, in your, your, in your business, you're emphasizing communic improving your communication through storytelling. Yeah. And I gather that the stories weren't just for entertainment. Were they also instructional? Yes, exactly. Lessons? And that's one of the wonderful things about storytelling. That's the power of storytelling. Storytelling is the most powerful thing on this planet. And really, you can reduce it down to words are the most powerful thing on this planet. And stories are made up of words. But it's through the power of words, through the power of storytelling, that you build, you know, bridges between communities, cultures, and you um, affect people. You affect their hearts. You know, if you just affect the person's ears, their eyes, oh, well. But when you touch a person's heart, you touch the very essence of them. And everything revolves around people's emotions, their hearts. So that's why, that's one of the reasons why storytelling is so powerful. And I know you've used this uh, speaking in front of corporations. And again, yes, I have. With corporations, um, and that's where the majority of my work is done with corporations and schools from preschool all the way through, you know, university. I work with a lot of corporations such as Boeing, EPA, Intel Corporation, all the major banks, you name it, every corporation you can basically think of. I've worked with them in the past, you know, down through the years, 30 plus years, helping them to improve their communication. And most corporations hire me either to improve their communication when it comes to telling their company story, their organization's story, if it's a nonprofit, or in their communication with their employees in communicating that company's values, their mission, their goals. Because, you know, what they all know is that if they can get their employees to share the same goals and values and have the same mission that the CEO has, then everything runs smoother, their goals are accomplished, and the culture that they build in that organization is so much better. It's been my observation that when you really believe in what you're doing, that, that's better than a pay raise. I, I've seen Yes, definitely so. Yeah, I've seen employee, employees who will take a cut in pay even, but they have that commitment. They, they see that vision. Exactly. And it's because of the story that was told to them. It's because of the story. Like I work with an organization and um, as a volunteer and everyone's always amazed at number one, how many volunteers this organization have. And I'm talking about thousands of volunteers and they're amazed at the, the enthusiasm and the heart and the drive and the passion that all of us as volunteers have. And I know as a communicator, it's because of what was communicated to us that very first meeting that each volunteer has. In that meeting, they tell us a story that you have an impact of everyone that drives to this location. You never know whether this is that person's day, the day that changes their life. So from the parking lot to the minute they sit down and all in between, 
you make the difference. So when you tell a group a story like that, they can't help but be passionate and enthusiastic about it because they know that that person's experience lies with them. We take it personally. And that's how it is. That's how cultures are built by someone taking ownership of the story that's told to them from the CEO, the founder, you know, the trainer, whoever. I, I agree. And I, I know I have worked for, in, for different employers. And I, when I worked for one who has a vision of what they want and they can share that, it's just a very rewarding experience. Yes. Now so you're talking, you're talking about companies, but this applies to families too. Oh, yes. This applies to individuals, families. It applies to everyone from age two, when people first start talking, to 102 and beyond. Yes. Everyone tells stories. They don't think of it as stories, but anytime you walk into the office on Monday and they say, you know, how was your weekend? That person begins to tell them their what my weekend was like story. So and storytelling is integral in every communication, every time. And it could be a story of gratitude and appreciation, yes. or it could be a, a story of negativity. We decide. Right, exactly. Well, I know, you know, that we're, we want to provide the most useful information for parents. And I understand you have four tips for parents. I do. Four tips for, for parents. Tips for parenting with storytelling. And so um, one of the first tips I have is that um, you should redeem the time. Parents really need to realize at the very beginning, not, you know, 20 years later, but at the very beginning, parents need to realize that, number one, they really only had their children for 18 years. And those 18 years go so very fast. Now, in the midst of it, like when you're going through that diapering stage and learning to walk and talk and, and feeding, you it's, might think that it lasts forever. It might feel like it lasts forever. Uh -huh, uh -huh. When they become teenagers, you definitely might feel like, huh. When are they ever going to grow up? You know, we always had that, you know, I can't wait till they start walking. Then they start walking. I wish they'd slow down. You know, I can't wait till they become teenagers and get older. But then they become teenagers and you realize how fast the time has gone. Oh, so yeah. realize that the time does go very fast. So intentionally redeem the time. Know that the time that you have with your children is really so short in the whole magnitude of their age, of their life, their age. You know, I'm 65 and my parents just had me in their home for 18 years of this 65 years I've lived. So it was such a short time, even though it didn't seem like it at the time. Um, but, you know, you want to make sure as a parent that you redeem the time. You want to make sure that you are spending quality time with your children, even if it's only five minutes in the morning and maybe 30 minutes at home in the afternoon, you want to redeem the time by making it quality time. And how do you make it quality time? By letting that child know that you love them. You're glad that they are your child. Out of all the children they could have had, they're glad that 
you are the child that they have and that you value them, that you think they're smart, that you think they're wonderful, you think that they're witty, they're creative, that they can do whatever they put their mind to, whatever they put their hand in their heart to. You know, express um, confidence in them so they will also have confidence in themselves. So that's the first tip, redeem the time. Make okay. sure you're spending quality time with your children. Oh, I agree with that one. And the second one, one of the ways you redeem the time and spend quality time is by telling stories to your children, intentionally telling stories. Stories about how you grew up, stories about, you know, as simple as what your day was like today and what was one of the best things that happened to you that day or what you're grateful for that day. You know, that can become a daily ritual something I'm grateful for today. And, and, you know, you say, I'm grateful for the wind. You talk about how the air was so still and it was so hot, but then all of a sudden a cool breeze came through. You felt it on your cheek, through your hair, throughout your body. Just that five minutes of a cool breeze made you so thankful that we have wind. You know, and just, just sharing something brief like that with a child shows them how not just the big things that you can be grateful for, but it's the little small things that make a difference in a person's day. So, you know, that's, that's another example of how you can, um, you know, really redeem the time by telling stories. And, and I've found a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I don't know stories. I can't tell a story. Well, one of the things you can always do is tell an Aesop's fable. Aesop's fables, they're about well, there are over a hundred of them. Most people are familiar with like the 20 that they see in a book, but any book of Aesop's fables are good because these are fables, little short stories. In the written form, they're only like one paragraph. So you can tell an Aesop's fable, fable as quick as one or two minutes, or you can spread it out over five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever suits your purpose and your need. And didn't your, didn't, go ahead. Didn't your father use Aesop, those fables to teach you and your brother lessons? Well, my dad, the stories that he told us, some of them were Aesop's fables. You're exactly right. Like the story between the um, contest between the wind and the sun. That's an Aesop's fable. You know, and of course, like that story he used to point out, you'll get more out of people and get more in life out of kindness than out of harshness, okay, out of blowing up. You know, if you're just sweet and smile and shine as the sun did, you'll get more re better results. So yes, he used Aesop's fables and then, you know, stories that he just made up. My dad would tell us some fantastic stories and then also legends. He would tell us legends and, and you know, different stories from our culture and stories from all over the world. And a lot of times my brother and I would say, is that real, is that true? And sometimes my dad, with a smile and a twinkle in his eye, would say, of course it's true. Just made it up a few minutes ago. And then sometimes <laughs> with seriousness in his mind, in his voice, he would say, in every story, there's a bit of truth. You have to decide what's true for you. But he always managed to teach us life lessons through the stories that he told, such that when, for instance, he would tell us a story about Bear Chipmunk. And the whole lesson on that story was don't brag, don't tease others, you know, things like that. 
And if he saw us bragging or teasing each other, instead of going through, you know, don't do that. You know, you shouldn't do that. My dad would just look at us and say, remember what happened to Chipmunk? And that was all he had to say, because that right there would immediately give us the life lesson. It showed us the consequences of bragging, of teasing. It showed us the value of treating others the way you wanted them to treat you. All that came out of just saying those words, remember what happened to Chipmunk. And every child would rather hear a story than a scolding. So true, so true. In fact, um, that should be a nightly or a morning routine with parents, that parents read to their children. They tell their children stories. You know, the, my fondest um, times with my mom and dad were being cuddled in their arms, listening to them read to me or listening to them telling me a story. My fondest memories are made up of those times. And it'll, it'll be the same way for your children, too if you intentionally tell them stories. So it, it bonds, it creates a bond between yeah. parent and child. I love and it. That goes into my third point. Start when they're young. Because if you start when they're young, telling them stories, reading to them, you build, not only do you build up literacy in your children, which is of course very important. I know it was important for me. But not only do you build up, you know, a love of reading and a love of knowledge and storytelling, but it builds a bond between them that can never be broken. You know, it's too late to try to build a bond between you and your child when they're a teenager and you suspect that they might be leaning towards drugs or are indeed on drugs. You want to build that bond beforehand so that if anything you know, negative happens, they feel close enough to you. They feel free to come to you um, knowing that you're not going to, you know, reject them, knowing that you're not going to be negative, but that you're going to have a listening, loving ear, you know. So make sure that you start while they're young, while they're just, you know, babies, loving them, holding them, telling them stories, praying for them, praying with them, which leads into the last point, love them and pray for them and show it. Let your children hear you praying for them. You know, I can remember hearing my mother pray for me and my dad praying as I was growing up. My children grew up hearing me praying for them and hearing me as I was with them, praying with them. That's so important. That's one of the ways you show them love. And children spell love, and we've all heard it before. They spell love, T-I-M-E, time that you spent with them. So showing them that you love them, praying with them, loving them, accepting them for who they are doesn't mean that you want them to stay where they are. You want them to improve, but you love them where they are as they grow. And I'm, I'm admiring the books there behind you. Yes, that's just one of about 30 some bookcases in my house. I live in a house with a personal library of over 30 thousand books and it started when I was in second grade in second grade my parents took me to the Biltmore house I saw the Biltmore library and to be honest with you I don't remember any other room in that huge mansion but the library and when I saw that library I was already an avid reader my mom taught me to read when I was four and they had lots of books for me at home but when I saw that library I said when I grow up I'm going to live in a house that has at least 10,000 books just like this library and indeed, when I went home, the very first book I saw, 
uh, it was the big jump in other stories, early reader, um, Dr. Seuss, early reader. That book, I said, this book starts my library, my 10,000 volume library. And I went on to save every book that I had. And to this day, I still read every day. I make time for reading. And it's easy to do when you, don't, when you purposely do not have a TV in your house, which I don't. So I make time to read every day. I have over 30,000 books in my house. And I raise my children without a TV. So they also grew up loving storytelling, loving to read, and loving spending time with me because they couldn't spend it with a TV. What a legacy you've left, not only for your children, but hasn't it also gone on down to your grandchildren? Yes, I have three children. I have eight grandchildren from those three children. And um, I have three grandchildren from Florida that spend the summer with me every summer. The first time they came was so funny. Their mom had purposely not told them when they came. The first thing they did was, can we use the telephone? They get on the telephone and said, you didn't tell us she didn't have a TV. <laughs> <laughs> that was a shock, needless to say, to all three of them. But they survived the summer without a TV, and they learned, like my children did, to do things. Instead of sitting passively in front of a TV, we got out and we did things. We camped. We went canoeing. We went kayaking. We, we did things. We went to parks, we went to museums. So they learned, so now they look forward to coming back every summer now. And they read. And they read, needless to say, they read a lot because yeah. uh, that's one of the main things here in this household. We take time to read. I love it, I love it. Yeah. Mona, I love what you're doing and, and improving communication through storytelling. Thank you. you know, and we tell stories to ourselves, you know, that, yes, that self-talk in our head. You're so right, Emily. That self-talk. And, and really, your self-talk is a story that you're telling to yourself. Those words make up stories. And it's important that you intentionally tell yourself the right stories. You want to tell yourself, I can do this. You know, nothing is impossible to me. If I can dream it, I can achieve it. If I can speak it, I can achieve it. You know, speaking the right words to yourself. I'm a winner. You know, those kinds of things as opposed to negative things will take you towards your destiny because your words have the power to manifest what you are saying. So it's very important that our self-talk, our stories we tell ourselves as well as our children and others are positive. They're encouraging. They build someone up instead of tearing someone down. Like your words manifested your three thirty thousand book library. Yes, exactly. My library, my home is living proof that you can have what you say. I said in second grade when I only had about a hundred books that I was going to live in a house that had at least ten thousand. When I got to ten thousand, I was so hooked on books and reading. I thought, what's another ten thousand? I've had to move twice because of the number of books in my house. My book, my library collection outgrew the house. I had to move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ramona, that is wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us and for your words of wisdom. I love those four tips. Very, very effective. Thank you.
Yeah. I've enjoyed being here. Now, I want to thank you also, Emma Lou, for inviting me on here. I think the work that you do in supporting parents and education is really wonderful. One of the things I noted was that you used to homeschool your children. Yes, yes. I did, did too. I homeschooled my children oh. because I wanted to shape their world with the oh, values yes. that I held. You know, not the values of anyone else, but my values, my beliefs. So I homeschooled my children also, and, and then I you know, sent them to private school that was in line with what I believed. But it's so very important as parents that we you know, design our children's environment. Yes, so totally true. agree with that. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on, and continue on with the good work that you're doing too, Emma. You too. Have a great day, Ramona. I will, you too. Bye-bye.